You are listening to Live the Questions, brought to you by Churchby, a billing system for particularly ambitious SaaS and subscription commerce startups. And I'm your host, Akash Sharma. Our work has thumbprints of the past, the ideas collected during strolls on a certain sidewalk, the life-changing sentence located in the third paragraph, on the 28th page of your favorite book, a humbling conversation with a friend. These are all building blocks that inform our future imaginings as they cross-pollinate over time without us knowing. Our current disciplines inform the future disciplines in ways that are hard to muster. We learn that the upturned cup of possibility wasn't that way at all. It's just the way we were looking at it. And the new lens that we've gotten as a result of merging disciplines helps us with that. The work of today's guest is a testament to the same. Today, we speak with Hannah Baza, who is the VP of Marketing at Uberflip. And we talk about starting early in life, teaching jiu-jitsu, the importance of learning how to learn, building a lasting brand, and learning from people who've just been where you were. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Hannah. Welcome to the show. Hey there, thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure. So I'm just gonna make sure this isn't an this is this isn't a sign of uh, stalking at all. And <laughs> it's 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 well within the confines of uh, keen observation instead. There's 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 a tiny van parked in your Twitter background. Where do, <laughs> where does that come from? Uh, honestly, the the van is, I think, a toy van. Um, I actually got that image from a great site called Unsplash, um, uh-huh. and uh, I, I definitely urge anybody to check it out. Um, it's got a ton of really great images. It basically helps you not use crappy stock photography. <laughs> They've got really great images that are sourced by really great photographers. So um, I just I came across that. I liked it. I thought it was cute and funny. So I, I snagged it from that website. So. Unsplash.com. Check it out. Uh, I've uh, borrowed my bunch as well for, for, for a long time. I think Crew runs it. It's uh, one of their side projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, re- really interesting. Really interesting. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I don't think it's really a side project anymore. They've kind of blown up in the last little while. So uh, props to those guys. Absolutely. And and uh, I, I just wonder that whenever they put something out, it just it, it just seems to work. And, it, it, <laughs> and the, the, the care that they put in, it just shows up and as if they know exactly who is it for about when, when it's being put out. So that's, that's fascinating. Mm. Right. So uh, I, I, I've been doing this research. I, I've been just, just trying to understand you as a person. Of course, it's, it's hard to do that uh, without even having a word together. So, so mm. work really said hello to you when, when you were quite young. 
So could could you take us back to that time and tell us what was really going on in uh, young Hannah's mind when she was taking up this early call? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know how far back we want to go, but um, I, my parents were both sort of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, have this little lemon stand with the next door neighbors. Um, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, I always I always worked a lot. Um, I actually taught uh, taught martial arts professionally for a little while, and, uh-huh. and I was doing that when I was fifteen. Um, and then, you know, at, at one point, I, I just kind of shifted from that into the into the tech space which is a whole story in and of itself but um yeah i mean i you know whatever i've been doing from sort of a work or professional perspective has always been something that i've been really enjoying and and it's always been something that hasn't really felt like work so it's it's easy to get excited right 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 so do you think that it is an essential for anyone to to start early to to have a to have an interesting life um i mean it's it's one of those things that's it's hard to do when you're younger um by design i think because True. you don't really know anything when you're, <laughs> when Absolutely. you're a kid, right um yeah. what i will say is I, I think whether it's you know work or, or whatever i think there's definite value in you know exposing young people to as much as possible and you know that means exposing them to new ways of thinking exposing them to travel to new countries to different perspectives um and i think that really does a lot to sort of feeding how they uh progress and interact as they as they grow Mm -hmm. okay so uh, you you just spoke about ways of thinking and and there's there's this quote that that I've had in my mind for some time I, I think it's from uh Megan Dom uh, she she's an uh, essayist and mm-hmm. it, it goes on life it goes uh it goes this way it says uh, life is mostly an exercise in being something other than what we used to be while remaining fundamentally and sometimes maddeningly who we are and uh, mm. I, I, I've always wondered what sort of a roadmap, what, what sort of a genetic makeup one one would need to to go about such 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 a journey. And, and then I look at you. I mean, you, you've been through multiple transitions, and so from from running a lemonade stand to teaching <laughs> jujitsu to running a martial arts studio, and then to the tech world. And I've heard you're keen on indulging in biohacking at some point in the future. How do you think about transitions or change in life? As in, um, I I actually it's funny. So it oftentimes will seem very sort of uh, disparate, I suppose. But I I think oftentimes it's the melding of you know different domains and different areas that mm-hmm. really help you kind of expand your perspective and really help you be more creative. So, you know, as much as a lot of the areas I've sort of been in um, seem very, very different and very kind of, it, it seems like an odd transition. I think mm-hmm. all of them have informed each other to a point. So, so okay. just to give a little bit of a background, I mean, I sure. used to, um, you know, as you mentioned, I used to actually run a chain of martial arts studios. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there were, I believe it was eight or nine locations at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was 
really helping with sort of the collective marketing and I was general manager of two of the locations and I was teaching for a while and you know it's a very different business in the tech industry um but while I was doing that, that was really um, partly, you know, my foray into into kind of online marketing and into into tech because this was way back, mm-hmm. um, way back when you know Twitter was not really a thing yet, and right. you know it was just at the point where bricks and mortar businesses were starting to need kind of that online presence. It was really easy to game local search on Google, um, right? So there were a lot of the things kind of in the online word, world that were a lot easier at that point. Um, mm-hmm. If you were able to figure them out and and really had a lot of benefits sort of in the social in the in local um, sort of businesses, so I really spent a lot of time kind of transitioning them to sort of the online space, building that presence for them, and um, that's when I kind of got hooked a little bit uh, when it comes to online marketing and and tech, um, you know. But I had really been surrounded by it for most of my life. Um, you know, my dad is a technology entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, has has founded several companies, one of which was acquired when we were oh. at home. We had like an Apple IIe at home. <laughs> like it was, okay. um, it was kind of always there. And it, I, I laugh because I remember thinking back and I remember at one point saying, I'm never going to be in the tech space. I like <laughs> never going to do that. Maybe that was some form of rebellion. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, and then sure enough, I'm, I'm in the tech space now. And and my interests kind of span, right? Like I, I love what I'm doing now. Um, I mean, you mentioned biohacking. I can't uh-huh. remember really like ever actually speaking about that. But I mean, it's definitely something that I like to geek out on. I'm a geek when it comes to a lot of the fitness and nutrition stuff because that went hand in hand with um, the martial arts studios that I was managing. So, um, and all of it feeds into each other. And and that's partly, I think, why, um, you know, I I really believe that the more diverse sort of your perspective, Uh um, the more other areas and other domains can help inform what you're doing in your current situation, right? Right. So, well, that's that's some, something that most most people look at and say, uh, you must be a special person or you, you must be a different per- person to be able to do that. Because you, you could say that people walk in, in circles to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly what, what they're missing out on is curiosity. So they say that, okay, if, if, you, if you embrace this virtue that, that curiosity is, and you try to dig deep in in just one subject, in just one field that you've taken up. Mm. That itself takes a lot of time. And people feel that, okay, getting better at just just that one thing takes a lot of time. And it it is sometimes an unattainable goal, if if you look at it from, from, from the outside, to be able to do that in so many fields can and again. So... You've been doing it, of course. It's it's clear that you've had that mindset from from the beginning. But uh, for someone who doesn't, what is it that that they should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would challenge the um, I would challenge the assumption that it's going to take a really long time every time. Uh-huh. Um, I think something to think about is, I mean, understanding how to learn, mm-hmm. um, which, which I think is, it's funny because it's, that's not something that's really taught, right? Um, we, we teach people everything, but sometimes just kind of going back to the fundamentals and understanding how they can learn and, and what, you know, what areas, um, 
of a particular subject they can focus on to sort of expedite that process. Um, I think that there's a lot mm -hmm. there that, that we can unpack. I mean, somebody that speaks about this really well is obviously Tim Ferriss. Um, you know, if you've read, uh, it was, I believe, The 4-Hour Chef, which mm -hmm. is seemingly a book about cooking, but it's, it's not. It's a book about mm -hmm. learning, and it kind of gives a framework for how to sort of approach something and, and get good at it and learn how to do it without, you know, spending the, you know, gazillion hours that you may need to spend. So, you know, breaking, breaking things up into chunks. And the other, sure. the other aspect of that is, um, you know, if you're delving into um, a different area, for better or worse, there's usually some sort of pattern recognition that uh -huh. happens um, that, you know, is potentially transferable from other areas as well. So, I mean, that's something that can, can potentially expedite it. But I think it just all comes back to sort of asking questions and curiosity and being open to, to learning. Um, there's definitely a time and a place to specialize, right? There's mm -hmm. definitely a time and a place to do that. Um, but if you do that at the expense of everything else, you kind of start to get that tunnel vision. <laughs> True. Thanks. That's, that, that, that was interesting. I, I'm, I'm yet to get to that book, though. It's uh, been on the list. But I am a fellow podcast junkie, so I do listen to the Tim Ferriss show all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good so, one. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. So that's that's there. So is that is that something? Uh, so a podcast as a medium is that is that something you go to, but as uh, a oh, place yeah. for learning? I am such a podcast junkie. Um, it, it's funny. It's I think it's probably my favorite form of like content mm -hmm. um and uh you know I, for probably a variety of reasons but um i think for me um you know i i i like the idea that it's audio i don't particularly like video content i prefer the audio content um Same and here. Uh, yeah, and I, I love being able to do it while I'm taking a walk or walking to work uh -huh. or, um, you know, doing something that's kind of low, um, sort of from a mental standpoint, doesn't require uh -huh. much, <laughs> much for me, um, okay. but kind of gives me that time to listen to podcasts and listen, like it's going through a renaissance, right? We're on a podcast right now. We Absolutely. launched a podcast a few months ago. Yes. Um, and I, I think that there's a lot of fun yet to be had in the space. Indeed. And uh, we are partaking in the same as we talk. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and, and you've mentioned in an interview that initially you weren't interested in Uberflip back when their main proposition was converting mm -hmm. PDFs into flipbooks as you, you probably couldn't sense a worthy mission. Yeah, um, it was, it, it, yeah, it was pretty funny. We kind of joke about it now, but, uh -huh. um, you know, when, when, they first, you know, came across my radar that they were kind of looking for somebody to head up their marketing. Uh -huh. um, I, I had been aware of Flipbooks and I, I thought it was a cool product, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not really, not really feeling, you know, like I want to go run marketing for this Flipbooks product. It seems like it's pretty straightforward. Uh, and it was at right. the time. I mean, right. Flipbooks marketing for Floodbucks was very formulaic. Um, mm -hmm. It was a very predictable funnel and the conversion sure. rates were very predictable. Um, but, you know, I went and met with the founders, was really impressed with sort of the space they were going into, the product they were thinking of launching. And, um, you know, a, content marketing is something that I was always sort of, um, you know, doing to a degree, but also uh, saw the need for, for kind of the type of product that they were building and also mm -hmm. saw a massive opportunity in this space. And this was really 
almost three years ago at this point. Three years ago. Um, okay. Yeah, and and I, this was when you know while content marketing is definitely not a new thing, mm-hmm. um, it was really getting pushed into the mainstream. Um, you know, Content Marketing Institute was really hitting its stride. Uh, you know, Marketing Profs um, was really hitting its stride as well. A lot of influencers talking about the effectiveness of content marketing. So I think at that point, you know, everybody was convinced that they should be doing content marketing. What was really right. missing was the technology and the infrastructure that they needed to succeed, which is kind of where Uberflip steps in. Uh-huh. So, well, you did change your mind about that, and <laughs> and since then you've you've gone on to build one of the most, uh, I must say, likable brands in the B two B space. And, oh well, that's very nice. That's uh, very nice of you to say. I'll have to pass that along to my team. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I I know those headbands have had a part to play in that, <laughs> but but how, how have you thought about making this happen from the very first day okay so you've spent 36 months now if you've gone back three years and mm. from from the very first day when, when you started I, I think they were supposed to come out with the main thing that uberflip relies on now the mainspring of the system the hubs system mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, what was going on in your mind and have you kept that uh, intact still in in terms of how you look at the next few years are going to be yeah so um it it's interesting because the last few years have been uh we've gone through some very 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 dramatic shifts Hmm. um so when i initially joined i mean really it was the first iteration of the product we didn't have product market fit um historically uber flips customers were smbs our our price point was 50 dollars a month like it was very um you know focused towards smb and also like the product was obviously very very different to compared to where it's evolved um you know now and really at that stage it was like okay trying to figure out who are the right customers what are Hmm. the right channels you know do we do we even have product market fit at this stage Um, and what started to become really apparent was uh, you know what we thought would be our customer which was more sort of the SMB market really wasn't um and you know at that stage if you're done if you've done any b2c marketing or or marketing to smbs you know it's typically a self-serve funnel online it's low or no touch right um it's very transactional and and really it's just all about optimizing optimizing that funnel um and it, you know, we started to really realize as we were kind of starting to opportunistically get these enterprise customers in, uh-huh. um, and then we were kind of starting to play around in that space a little bit. Uh, everything was just better as we shifted up market, and not only that, I mean, the product also was really ripe um, to evolve for a more sophisticated customer. So for a little while, we kind of had, um, you know, these two funnels working. Right, we kind of had this like free trial, sign up online, Hmm. small business, $50 price point. Um, We kind of had this funnel working. And then we also started to build sort of a marketing and sales engine. Um, Trying to do both was really ended up not really being possible for us. Um, and, And frankly, it really split our focus. And when we sort of broke down, we had enough time under our belt. We broke down the unit economics. It was really obvious that the the real opportunity was was way up market. Um, So that actually ended up resulting in, you know, having to make a ton of different changes, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we had to, we had already started building out the sales team. We had to build it out faster. Um, You know, our, our lead gen strategies and the type of content that we created and the demand gen strategy overall had to change. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, our fundamental technology sort of stack had to change too because, you know, when you're sort of looking at optimizing an online funnel, the tools you use for that are very different. You're going to use probably Mixpanel or maybe Kissmetrics or something along those lines, Mm -hmm. whereas all of a sudden we shift to this marketing sales engine and half my funnel is in Salesforce, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very different engine and you need to use different growth mechanisms. True. So yeah, it's it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, And what what we really what we really took time to do is i mean like it's definitely not sexy but like we had to clean up salesforce <laughs> and that was like a, a few months right okay. in order to get visibility into the data we had to start to shift like where we were getting the majority of our leads we had to adjust mm-hmm. our model because we needed higher value customers which meant we had to pay a little bit more for them right. um so a lot of changes there i think you know when it comes to the brand specifically which is i think what you were talking about True. to be totally honest that was almost a um, a secondary concern mm-hmm. okay. after we figured out like the model and the business and, okay. you know mm. can can we make money doing this and is there product market fit um, yeah. now I say a secondary concern and and it's not that it wasn't always sort of there and we did pay attention to it because we wanted to have sort of a, a good brand experience. We wanted people to have a good customer experience. And I, I kind of sometimes will use the two interchangeably, although I shouldn't necessarily do that. Um, but I would say over the last, uh, you know, little while, we've really started to kind of solidify and, and define our brand a little bit more, um, all the way from sort of the typical stuff that you would expect, like the the images, the colors, the, the look and the feel, but also the tone of the type mm. of content that we create. Um, so if you head over to styleguide.uberflip.com, you can actually take a look at a brand style guide we created. And it's such a fun read. I mean, we That's even cool. have a section called Uber Flippinese, which is like basically random words and phrases that we've either made up or that we use in certain contexts here. So um, okay. I think when we think about brand, we often think about awareness, uh, but I think True. really, really thinking about brand experience is, is the way to approach it. Absolutely, and uh, you've, you've done a wonderful job uh, at creating that. That's 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 there. That's there. Right. The other day, I was I was reading your medium post about uh, so it's 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 about dreams that all of us chase and we we are a part of this grand and ambitious struggle and in doing so at times we risk losing things that that made us do what we do in the first place and i'm i'm going to read this this special thing that you wrote on that and you said in in trying to push through the ups and downs the end result is a highly obsessed person whose entire identity and well-being is defined by the health of the startup. So it's 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 an increasingly known phenomena that if if you're chasing dreams and you're giving up everything for it, of course, at the end of the day, it is going to come back to us in some way and and harm us. So what what were you thinking when you wrote that post? You've you've experienced this yourself. 
Yeah. Um, so you're talking about I, I when you started quoting me, I was like, did I write that? But I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, it's uh, if you just Google stress and startups, you'll find it. The title of the post is stress startups and survival. Yes. Um, at that point, I was sort of running a company at that point. Um, I had a lot of entrepreneur like entrepreneur friends. Mm-hmm. and startup friends that were in the space. Um, and I wrote that after a particularly intense phone call with uh, a friend of mine, um, an entrepreneur friend that was really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I completely, I, I could empathize with that and I could uh, really understand where it was coming from because I think anyone who's founded a company, tried to build something, um, has experienced to some degree this this form of stress that is seems different than other stress, right? right. Um, and I think what's difficult sometimes is is to really separate yourself from the thing that you're trying to build. Um, and I think that's really what I was getting at. Uh, I mean, the post, uh, I'm actually just leafing through it now. It's been a while since I looked at it. Um, you know, covers, covers a lot of it, but I think definitely a, a good read if you're kind of early stage startup and, and you're a little bit, a little bit stressed out. <laughs> well, I've, I've been through that. I'll definitely, I'll make sure that is in the show notes that, that, that the post just goes there. So is is that is that something that you still struggle with or is it something that that's solved as in you know how to think about it and it doesn't mm-hmm. bother you anymore yeah i mean i don't think it's something that's ever solved mm-hmm. um but i do think it's something that i have a much better handle on sort of how to think about you know when how to think about um kind of pulling myself out of that those periods where I am particularly stressed out or things aren't going particularly well. Um, the thing that not a lot of people talk about, I think there might be one or two good posts on this is, you know, I wrote this from the perspective of, you know, the founder, mm-hmm. but um, the reality is in an early stage startup, it's not just the founder that's experiencing stress, right? Um, it's kind of it's anybody who feels as though they have a really big stake in the company and it's anybody that feels as though, you know, they have the potential to make a big impact. So I think kind of understanding how to how to step back and kind of look at it from the perspective of, you know, somebody from the outside is helpful. Right. Indeed. Indeed. That's that's true. So I think it's it's the sense of community as well. When you know that mm. s- s- someone who's doing almost the same thing as you're doing and has uh, stumbled mm-hmm. across the same trouble, and there's there's mm-hmm. there's uh, of course a likelihood that y- you would find some solace in uh, their admitting that they've had this problem and they've found a way to think about it, and and uh, it's it's usually a good workaround. Okay, the, uh, I think we are, we are short short on time here, and. I, I, I really think that the format needs a few more minutes because the <laughs> I, I, I would have I would have loved to go deep on, on a lot of things here. Yeah. Uh, so just, I'm just looking yeah, 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 I'm looking at my calendar here to be honest. Um mm-hmm. and I, I did have you booked in for half an hour, but if if you want to hop on another call at some point, happy to do it. Yeah, s- certainly. I think we, we could have, uh, uh, I think, an episode number two. That that'll 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 make sense. I think. Yeah, we, we can make a part two. Yeah, for for the episode. But just one final question before you extend there. Mm. So absolutely, it is about 
uh, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the organization that you, you, you've been a part of, you've, you've helped build. Mm. And when, when you contemplate the role of an organization like, say, Uberflip or Mars or any of these companies that, that uh, a lot of people end up admiring, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of operators in companies end up admiring, uh, what do you think is 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 the responsibility or as in do you, do you feel you you're saddled with it or you just go with it as as you did when you were young H- how do you think about this um yeah i mean in terms of the growth of the company itself mm-hmm. or in terms of its involvement in the community i'd say both and uh, okay. they're they're how, how do they connect together right i i mean i definitely think as regardless of sort of what company it is um i mean i think as a company starts to grow i i and i know i feel this and and you know some people may not but i think there is a little bit of a of a ability to sort of give back a little bit, um, mm. particularly to, you know, founders and startups that are really kind of where you were three or four years ago. Mm. Um, and, you know, the the thing that I really would, um, would kind of emphasize there is, you know, as much as there's a lot of talk about, you know, getting mentors and, and mm-hmm. learning from, you know, people that have done incredibly successfully. The people that I really get the most out of sometimes are not, you know, people that are a gazillion years ahead of me. It's people that have just been where I was, right? Okay. Um, okay. Because they can really hone in on and they can remember clearly, much more clearly, what the challenges were and, you know, how they how they dealt with them and how they felt um, mm-hmm. when they were going through that period. Whereas sometimes if, if you're talking to somebody who, you know, really is, is almost too far ahead, um, you know, you don't get quite as much it's uh, quite as much out of it. So, you know, I, I love seeing companies and, and startups in general be able to kind of connect with the community a little bit. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but... It does. It does. It does. Thank you. That's 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 an insight. And it's it's isn't it about knowing that if you're at a certain stage, you'd, you'd learn from a company that has just, just been at that stage because the problems that yeah. they faced are likely to be uh, familiar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So I think this conversation has to continue to the second part of this this interview and uh, we'll definitely schedule that. And uh, thanks for your time, Hannah. It was was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. So what are the ideas from something that you did in the past that have leaped into your current work? and it made it more interesting. Tell me about them. And also, I would appreciate if you could subscribe to the show on SoundCloud or iTunes, wherever you get your podcast fuel. And also, if you have constructive criticism about the show, just throw it our way. We're all ears. Till that time, keep living the questions. (laughs) 